welcome to Lit Liturgy. This is Becca Midiki Conlon. I'm the pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church on the south side of Easton, Pennsylvania. And this is Lydia Posselt. I'm the pastor of Family of God Lutheran in Buckingham, Pennsylvania, about an hour north of Philadelphia. And we are the awesome podcast Lit Liturgy, which is worship with a twist. And our name has a couple of different meanings. First, lit being happening, popping on fire, lively, turned up, and also... It can mean that you are super drunk, and we won't be getting super drunk, but we definitely drink as we record this, and so today our drink of the day is... Great Lakes Brewing Company, Holy Moses White Ale, and as of as I always say, it's pretty tasty. <laughs> yes, and just if you haven't listened to us before our general thought is that if you are a worship leader whether that's a pastor or planner and you're in a fairly traditional worship setting as far as pews or uh you follow the normal liturgy and you want to do something a little bit more creative and dis different we're here to help you on that so that's what we're here to do yes so. and thank you thank you to brian odin for our lovely theme music it's gorgeous yes um and also warning if you haven't listened to us before We'll probably swear at some point because, you know, because it's like we are, what we do. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about today, Lydia? Well, today, well, as usual, we kind of tackle a big ticket topic during every one of our podcasts. And today we've been starting a series on the Ordo or the worship service in general. And we're starting with the gathering, which um, we are taking to mean um the different parts of the worship service before you get to the scripture or the yes. word part. so that's what we're going to tackle today. yeah so let's talk a little bit about order to begin with because yeah. that's a funny odd word but it's a cool word though it is a cool word and it's a word that i knew did not know existed before i went to seminary so same it's like a seminary bingo word though <laughs> Um, so the ordo is just the general order of the service that all worship services have a kind of... Almost well, worship most. services. Well, all have a, an order to them. Some give, sort of order. Yeah. And they almost they always start with a gathering and they always end with ascending. And then in between, there's often word and then your response to the word, which is often, if you're doing a communion service, the meal. Um, so, but we're, let's start with the gathering. Like how yeah, you that's get... that's what we're doing. Not just get people in the door... But what do you do for that first, like, few minutes of worship as people come in? Yeah, what do you guys do at your church? All right, so you people? our order for my uh, St. Paul's uh, order for gathering is we have a prelude. Then that normally starts a few minutes. Our service begins at 1030, so it starts at, like, 1027. Um, then at 1030, we ring the bell. Uh, I have announcements. I always ask people where they've seen God. We have a second prelude because I don't know. It's tradition at the church, and I haven't battled that yet, but whatever. Then normally it's confession or uh, or a call to worship or a thanksgiving for baptism, a hymn, a greeting, that, which is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. <laughs> Glad you're Lutheran. <laughs> we have a Kyrie, depending on the season, the hymn of praise, the prayer of the day, um, and then at that point, people get to sit down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I guess this part is the portion where everyone just stays standing for a while. Except yeah. the we do pretty much the same thing, except we don't have a second prelude. I guess we've, we just kind of go right into the confession. So I guess I, I, to have the place where your prelude goes, I guess, depends on where do you want some 
I guess to have a second prelude, you kind of have a little bit of space well, and I always, to start the service. Yeah, and I always end the, like, introduce the second prelude as, let's just have a few moments of quiet reflection before we get begin our worship service. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of, and I think it's after the announcements to separate that the announcements aren't worship. Yeah, so. I, I, I don't do that as well. No. <laughs> I just go right in. So yes, I, I mean you can also say let us now stand as we begin our worship. Yeah, service. and that's pretty like, much what I say. And I going when we get to our, the confession portion later, like I like to see the the silence the silence there as kind of having that function too. But we'll yes. get to that. Don't so want to get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about actually getting people in the room. The for physical worship. space. The physical space. So we had this problem in my internship congregation of. Everybody would be in the social hall or whatever the space, the lounge, prior to worship. And it's all of a sudden, it's time for worship. And probably 75% of the people are not in the worship space, and yet it's time for worship. So we were trying to figure out how to get people in. And so it then became a joke that uh, the person who was in charge of Christian and also did the bell choir, she would just grab one of the bells from the bell choir and walk through and ring the bell like a minute or two before worship to actually get people to like, oh, let's stop chatting and go to worship now. Sort of like a Monty Python, bring out, bring in your live people. <laughs> Instead of bring out your bring dead. Bring out your dead. Bring it, get in there, people. If that's a British accent, it's pretty bad. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing, but it was not a British yeah. accent. Sorry. Um, one of the kids at my church now, every once in a while, she's at Yusher. She'll open the front door if the doors are already open and just like yell outside. She's so oh, this so is the cutest cute. thing ever. She'll yell outside. She's like, it's time for worship. Everyone come to worship. Aww. It's a lot of fun. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> so if you so get a kid to do that. Yeah, you can have a kid to do something like that. I'm just like, hey, your job is to go th- into the lounge where everyone's talking and drinking coffee and yell that it's time for and worship. And you can yell. You can yeah. yell real loud. <gasps> yeah. That's so Don't cool. scream. Don't scream. But yell. <laughs> so... Um, other things I've seen and we thought about and talked about when I was on my internship is like, well, maybe we should just start a song in the social hall and then like one that people know, whether it's Jesus Loves Me or, uh, you know, one that you can teach really simply, like, whether it's Taze, uh, Taze, not, yeah, Taze, whatever. Yeah. yeah, not really cool songs from France. Yeah. Uh, the repetitive or something else that people know and start it in the, in and then walk down the hall singing it so people come in singing. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought we could just start and have the confession, the Thanksgiving for baptism, the call to worship right there, and then invite people to come down the halls of, you know, you can just have somebody say really loudly, the Lord, well, in Lutheran circles, the Lord be with you. Mm-hmm. Also with you. And that normally gets people's rooms. Um, there was times just because of air conditioning and heat issues um, that the social hall was much warmer than the uh, uh, the worship space. And in the middle of winter, I just kind of wanted to worship in the lounge. There was enough room for us. We could have stayed there. It's cozy. Yeah. <laughs> and especially if you have a low Sunday. That actually might be a good idea. Yes. Yeah. So those are some, how do you get people physically in the room? Yeah. And then once you get people in the room, the next question is announcements when do you do the announcements do you do them at the beginning of the service do some churches do them at the end of the service some people kind of put them after the piece yeah i've seen something in the middle in the middle of the service yeah um yeah uh The, the only thing that i would say is if you do it after the sharing of the piece which is 
you know, two thirds to three quarters of the way through your service, don't then announce where the bathrooms are for visitors. Right. It's a little belated. And at the <laughs> end of this, and if you have announcements at the end of the service, you can't announce how communion happens. No. So I guess when, when you do announcements kind of informs what will be in yeah. them. Um, I guess one of the benefits of having, there's a couple of benefits to having the announcements during the beginning part of the ordo, during mm-hmm. the gathering. Um, it does allow people who are running a couple minutes late to kind of scoot in, in the, usually in the back of the church. Yes. Um, and if it's at the end, if things go a little long, people are a little more anxious to leave yes. and get to the coffee. So you don't have, whatever the coffee version of hangry would be. Uh, undercaffeinated yeah (laughs) um and so also you can really just if you need volunteers for stuff pass around those clipboards yeah i volunteers when i have anything that's a sign up i pass it around on a clipboard because if you tell people at the beginning of the service hey there's a sign up sheet it's on the bulletin board in the social hall by the time worship ends they forget all about it Mm -hmm. so i just they're going for the coffee yep i just pass it around on the clipboard so Even though they have to pass the sign-up sheet to get to the coffee. Right. They're not going to They're not gonna no. do it. So just no. catch them while you got them. Um, you can kind of do some prep work at the beginning of the service as to stuff that's happening during yeah. the service. Make references in, in the announcements to different things you want to highlight yeah, so during if, the service. I mean, you can update uh, somebody who's on the prayer list because they just died or are sick or whatever the case is. So that when all of a sudden... You know, Rupert is on the prayer list. I don't know. Oh, I just poor Rupert. Name. Yeah. People aren't all of a sudden shocked because they hadn't heard that Rupert just died. and But they actually heard about it at the beginning of the service. And yeah. It, like, prayer should not be when pe- people find veins out. Especially the pastor. <laughs> Though it's happened. I think, I think we've all been there. Yeah. Um, something that I use announcements for in my church is to make church our experience a welcoming space for newcomers if people are coming in and aren't used to just worship in general i it's a good time to talk about where the hymns are in the hymn are they in the hymnal are they in the bulletin what's in the bulletin what are they going to need um how does communion work if you're going to have communion i explain how communion works every week or at least i try to when i remember even if there's nobody new there um because it gets i i feel like it gets my people kind of in in that mode of there could be people we don't know here. Yes. And I think also for, I mean, if even if you do it at the beginning, just a, uh, talking about welcoming, it's always good right before communion to do a refresher. Yeah. Like a briefer version of that. Or if it's, you know, something that's, I mean, hymns normally right away, you get one right away, but to keep that in there, do it again. So. Yeah, so just keep reminding people. So those yeah. are some of the benefits of having announcements at the front end. But if you, there's also some cons, because we yeah. talked about earlier about people forget stuff by the yeah. end of the service. Exactly. Um, or if they come in late, they'll miss something super important. Right. Um, also, then sometimes people then start to rely on the fact that, oh, worship is supposed to begin at this time, but really there's announcements, so worship itself doesn't begin until 15 minutes later. Right, especially if your announcements just kind of have ballooned out. And I think it's much harder to control the ballooning of announcements at the beginning of worship versus at the end. Because at the end, you get people who are getting anxious. Theoretically, yes. And hangry. Yeah, theoretically, yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, and there's there's always the... the, um, 
debate about how much you yourself do all the announcements versus how much you let or how much your have your people do yes. announcements and also how chatty your people are and also how much you put in the bulletin versus how much people actually read yes in the bulletin so striking that balance is yes and you know key. your situation the best so it's finding that of i mean i always ask if there's always any more announcements there's like the three or four people. It's like the church council president, the head of property, the head of social ministry, and the musician. I always look at them because they're nine times times out of ten the people that have an extra announcement for right. me. Or um, I usually forget something. Yeah. That's the other thing. I often forget. Or like we have a food pantry delivery every other Monday. And so um, our head of social ministry always announces it. But with it, she also announces how much food is coming so we know if it's a small delivery or a big delivery. And I don't have that information in advance. So, <laughs> And you can't hold everything in your brain. No. So, anyway. It's just easier to let her make that announcement. Yeah, so, so that was announcements. All right. So, most of the time after announcements, a lot of liturgical churches start with a confession or a thanksgiving for baptism or a call to worship. Um, so... I am starting something new this fall of we just switched from doing a confession or Thanksgiving t uh, for baptism to a call to worship ah. in which we've been using it based on the psalm and then we don't have the psalm during the reading portion. Oh, interesting. So we've only done it one week thus far, so I okay. can't, but I was really pleased that how it went last week. So, mm. uh, and nobody seemed super upset about it. The reader seemed a little confused, but that's because she doesn't check her emails before. <laughs> so prep your people. <laughs> yes. If you're going to do some sort of change. Yeah. But prior to that, we would also always change the confession or Thanksgiving for baptism based on the liturgical season. Like yeah. we always did Thanksgiving for baptism during the Easter season. Mm -hmm. And we would do confession for sure during the Lent season um, and kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's a good opportunity to hear different voices so you can have different people yes. lead those portions. Maybe maybe have your assisting ministers do that. Maybe somebody else. Yeah, sometimes just a kid. I have kids that love to be my assisting ministers. And oh, that's pretty depending awesome. on their reading level, either they get all of the leader lines or we alternate. Aww. So I will, and maybe not even alternate every other, but I'll take the ones with the more difficult words and they'll get the leader lines that are more simple words. So... Oh, that's cute. Yes. Another cute thing to do. It is. I love my, my assisting ministers are all under the age of nine. That is amazing. That's great. I don't know many churches that could have that as a boast. Yes. That's pretty awesome. You must be under nine to, <laughs> to be a worship assistant. Yeah. Um, something you can do is if you do a Thanksgiving for baptism, play in the water in some ways, whether that's, I mean, pour water into the font to begin with over the prayer, but also spray people. You can use the Aspergis yes, thing, you know, the br Majabra. branch trees. Have uh, We had this during a children's sermon the other week where the kids came up and then they went and got their hands wet and then went and flicked the water on the adults as they ran Aww. up and down the aisles. That's so you cool. can do that during the thanksgiving for the baptism so yeah you could as we mentioned before start out outside actually do it outside yeah whether that's outside the building or in your social hell as the kids are trying right, to get up exactly. to come to worship if you have a nice space and it's a nice day you have a nice write your own kind of yay god's creation litany and yeah. then do it outside um also if you look at a lot of uh traditional thanksgiving for baptisms and confessions there's a lot of pastor parts or mm. leader parts and there's not, so the congregation just kind of stands there for all of it. So I'll like switch it up. 
like have I switched a, I think it was Thanksgiving for baptism late uh, recently where I realized that every other paragraph started with the word we so I just made all those paragraphs read by the congregation oh that makes sense yes because <laughs> it's it's we yes exactly <laughs> so uh switch it up so it's not just one voice constantly or again have other people so mm-hmm. another creative thing if you want to do something kind of different either with if you do some sort of invocation at the beginning of your confession or an invocation yeah. being in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit is uh do something visual and yeah. you can borrow from your local camp liturgies for yes. lots of fun things um, we Google them too, but some easy ones is like the three person stacking tower. Yes. Or three people that they make rings with their arms and they interlock them. Yeah. So there's lots of fun. And one part, the first person says in the name of the father and the next person's, I love how I'm actually doing the hand. I know like like you, our listeners can, can see, but the first person (laughs) says in the name of the father and makes the ring with their hands. And the second person says in the name of the son and makes the ring with their hands. And the third links with both of them and says, and the name of the Holy Spirit and links. With and then they hands. all say, we welcome you to worship or something. Yes. That is, yeah. yeah. So have, just have fun with yeah. that. Find a camp counselor and pick their brain. Yeah. There's a lot of different confessions out there about writing stuff on flash paper that then burns or that there's paper that dissolves or you take it and you burn it or you whisper it into your hands and you throw it up to God. Or, yeah. There's some really fun ones. Just be careful about um, it being kind of theologically... Um, astute yeah uh, or just be aware of your surroundings I remember yeah. I have some funny stories about like writing your sin and pretending to put it on an arrow and then like shooting it at the cross but then there's it's a crucifix rather than just a cross and so like shooting arrows at Jesus yeah that's a you little odd. don't do that but so <laughs> yeah so uh, ha- that's yeah. just a little um, caveat about yeah. And that type of stuff. And another thing, if depending on when you run your bulletins and when news breaks, write your own. Especially yes. in, like... Or find somebody who's written one. Yes. Like, about recent events. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you had written in our show notes about uh, Charlottesville, for example. Well, that happened on a Saturday. It might have been hard to put it in by on Sunday. Exactly. But do an audible and just do it or and have an extra sheet of paper for everyone or put it up on an overhead or you know on yeah that's what i did i just ran off i just ran off a bunch of copies yeah. when or i did even that even the next week it was still in conversation that yes. you could have had a um a, a confession that was specifically about racism yeah and our racist views and tendencies and um yeah so don't be afraid to not be locked in to what's in the book or what's in the bulletin even. Yep. Um, as long as you prep your people and they have, they know what they're doing and yep. know what they're going to do. It's all, all right. good. So most churches, they end the, uh, the gathering time with the prayer of the day. At least that's the, according to Lutheran liturgy. Um, so let's talk a little bit about prayers, uh, uh, specifically prayers of the day. Yeah, I think, I think the prayer of the day, correct me if I'm wrong, is sort of like a prayer around the theme of the scriptures yes. that are chosen. Yep. Sometimes the, <laughs> the scriptures have a theme. Um, most of the time there is something that kind of ties them all yeah. together. And if not, uh, if not they, also, they often fall most in line with the gospel. Yeah, so pretty much. Because, let's also face it, at least, I would say nine times out of ten, most pastors preach on the gospel lesson. Yeah. 
not if they if they're doing multiple lessons mm-hmm. in the liturgical setting. Yeah. So, um, but something to think about with really all prayers is who gets to pray. Is this something that just the prayer leader, whether that's you as the pastor or the worship assistant, gets to pray, or is this something that everybody gets to say? And uh, we switch this up. I mean, I was very conscious in my congregation about doing as much active participation as possible. So all I switched basically most of the prayers to be uh, lay led. So mm-hmm. like there is I either myself or one of my under nine year old worship assistants <laughs> will say the Lord be, uh, let us pray. And then they'll say the first two words which is normally some name for God, and then everything else is printed in bold, so it's the congregation's response. Mm-hmm. Um, some things you do need to be careful of is if they're often written for an individual that they don't always speak well in unison, especially if you have some of those like names from the Bible, of whether it's a person or a place that aren't familiar with us uh, in modern America or... And modern world to begin with, or if you have a four-syllable word that's randomly thrown in there, like transubstantiation, randomly being a prayer is gonna make most of your congregation yeah m- um, fumble over it. Or or the fact that sometimes the sentences kind of run a bit, and there's lots yes. of commas and awkward pauses that I'm finding myself doing right now. <laughs> to, I guess to demonstrate. Uh, either I, there's a couple different. I guess there's a couple different ways you could do it. You could just kind of edit them and kind of simplify them a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are just like hard to say. Yeah, I mean, if even, you're just reading it for the first time. Well, even like a few weeks ago, we had the gospel was the Seraphonician woman, and I'm pretty sure the word Seraphonician was in the prayer of the day in the ELCA, and that's yeah. like a hard word for people to. Yeah, it's, or it's the, not a common yeah. word between yeah between the words and like funky sentence construction. Yeah, um, I think to have some sort of prayer that sets the tone of the scripture or sets the tone of the day or sets part something to do with the liturgical season is a good thing to do. Um, yeah, but be creative with change. how you're doing it and don't be afraid to change it up. I mean, if you want to change it by liturgical season of like during Lent, it's only going to be said by the worship leader, that's a great time to do it. Like, and then the next season, change it to be everyone or, or alternate lines. Or, yeah. Or, or I guess if you're, ha- if you're having everyone say a prayer, you could do, you could pick a prayer that's sort of like for Advent, you could have use the same prayer throughout Advent so that by the fourth week, people are kind of, yeah. it's more familiar to people. And especially with Advent, you can put in like, you just change the word, hope, love, joy, yeah. peace. Exactly. Cause those are the candles. But yeah. in the wrong order, I'm sure I did that. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. No angry don't emails. Yeah, please. <laughs> All right, so can I tell you my favorite thing that we do during the gathering portion? Yes, and you do this during the announcements, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so at the end of announcements, and I've done this at, my, at multiple churches now. I've been ordained. It will be nine years next week. And, Woo! Woohoo! And I've done this probably eight um, is it always felt weird to me about when I was at a previous congregation that didn't have a second prelude. We'd have the announcements and then we'd go straight to confession and I just kind of felt that it was a weird transition. So I started to ask people, where have they seen God this week? And now I normally ask a uh, similar question, but how have you seen or experienced God recently? 
just because it, it opens it up for people who maybe haven't been there for a month. And also, I realize that sometimes you don't see God. You you know, people were talking to me about they heard someone's voice. or mm. um, So I've done this in smaller congregations, uh, both congregations that I've done it at. At the end of announcements, we worship less than 50 on a Sunday. Um, and it kind of works really well as far as... And I'll be honest, I have weeks in which there's, like, two people that say something. And then I'll have weeks in which, like, I feel like that's going to be the entire service because people just keep on talking. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's wonderful. And I, when that's happened, I was like, okay, I need to shorten the sermon a little bit because everybody just preached. I don't need oh, yeah, to. Oh, yeah, that's awesome when that happens. Um, and, but also be prepared. First time I did this at my first call, there was, like, crickets. And I came prepared every Sunday for almost a year of what was my God sighting because I knew it would be just me or maybe it would be me and one other person. And eventually it did grow, but um, that it got to the point that I know that they would do it even when I wasn't there. Aww, and that's cool. it was something that people looked forward to. And I've had people tell me that they were running late to church and they had to make it sh- sure that they were there during the announcements because they wanted to tell people about the thing that happened to them. Oh, that was yeah. this great thing about God sightings. And, um, and like just this past week, we have a church member who has been undergoing cancer treatments for, well probably three years now Hmm. and he told me before worship that he was just clear uh told that he was cancer free and so i started off with um so would anyone like to share how they've seen or experienced god recently and then i turned right to him and i was like so and I'm looking at him like and I said his name and he's like all right because I knew he'd every, be comfortable I knew he'd be comfortable being put on the spot like that but also everyone in the congregation had has been praying for him and uh, like and and caring so much for him over the past three years in this journey of mm-hmm. that it was a good moment of joy so yeah that's an awesome way to do it yeah and if you're in a larger congregation and you're like eh, I'm not sure if this is gonna fly uh do it where you begin all your meetings with that because it's a good way of beginning like instead of maybe a prayer beginning with God moments um, to people at the start of their stewardship meeting or the Chris Ed meeting or you know whatever it is so that people it's a great way of getting to know one another Um, and then you can ask a few people if they'd be willing to share at the beginning of worship Ah. either have them come up to the front or uh, record a video of them sharing it and then you can play that at the beginning of worship if you have that capability sometimes you can have people depending on your congregation turn in small groups and kind of share amongst themselves their god moments because i know i have sorry my dogs are deciding that they need to bring all their toys into the room they want to be co-hosts yes <laughs> um but we can have people share in small groups because i've had people come up to me after worship and tell me an experience that they aren't comfortable sharing in front of the yeah, entire absolutely. congregation. All right. So, general thoughts on welcoming people? Yeah, because this is kind of the, the point of the service where when you're a new person walking in, this is the part of the service. This is the scary part. This is the scary part because it's the first part and you're kind of walking in and you're not sure what's going on. Um, so, Becca found this interesting um, list. list of yes. Would you like to share it with us? So <laughs> and then we'll talk was, about why it's... Anyway. I was doing... I, every time when I, I put together the our notes, I do some 
Googling and I found this website and I have since lost it for well-meaning purposes because no one should <laughs> no it does not need any buzz marketing no um it, but it had a list of like a hundred things for creative worship or whatever and this was from a section about welcoming visitors number 65 <laughs> wait there was numbers yeah it was a, yeah was, how many of these were there there's like a hundred of them oh but this is just the welcoming visitor section so it had stuff about how to be creative in the sermon or how to be creative during the readings or whatever. Okay. So this is just welcoming visitors. Number okay. 65. Read the visitors' names from the visitor book as part of the welcome and be sure someone gets every visitor to sign. So read them out loud yes. during worship. And try and read Check. people's handwriting and pronounce the last oh, names man. correctly. Oh, man. I've, I've been there where I'm like, I don't even know. Yes. Yeah, I know. Uh, 66. Make a special feature of the welcome, inviting members to introduce any visitors they have brought. Oh, yes. So, yes. Here's my grandson, and he's going to speak. Yes. <laughs> no. And I've been to those churches where they make, like, visitors stand up. Yeah. And, yeah. Or give them a gift, and, like, here, here is a welcome mug, but we're going to give it to you in the middle of worship. Yeah. I don't mind no. that if it's, like, when you're leaving, but in the no, middle of worship. No, it was, like, in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. No. Allow time for, in 67, allow time for people to greet those next to them. Okay, that's cool because maybe you're sitting in a different spot. And, maybe. Because uh, you aren't one of those people that have your, your seat. You I'll don't talk know about that later. Around I'll you. talk about that. Or just, uh, that's to me sharing a piece. Okay, sure. Yeah, okay, check. We're, we're okay, okay with that. So number 68 is encourage the greeters at the door to invite one or two guests to come onto the platform during the service and tell about the most exciting thing that has been done in the, in the church they regularly attend. What? Yeah. No. Nah. Nope. So, I was so just mortified by this. I was talking to one of my friends who's not church, and I was like, I need an unchurched opinion. I was like, would these weird you out as well? And she's like, oh yeah, I would be out the door. Like, I would uh-huh. like not stay. I would not, I would turn around. I don't care what I was there for. Like, somebody's baptism. Nope, I'm done. Nope. No. So, yes. No. So, I had these, and I wanted to share them, because it's like, it leads to the, how do you welcome, especially visitors, without making them uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. So... The, the spot where they, between the car and the pew. Yes. That space. Yes, so... Mm-hmm. What are some things? <laughs> what are some things? Um, greeters. Yes. Having good greeters. Yes, having good trained greeters, yeah. which is, I know, often the hardest thing. Yeah. But the greeters who will hand them a bulletin, will yes. ask, uh, you know, do you, um, hey, I don't recognize, and not say, oh, are you new here, but I don't recognize you, can I answer any of your questions? Sure, or I don't remember if I've seen you before. Or... Yeah, and ask it in that way. Yeah. And th- maybe not even the, are you new here? Because, like, my parents at their church that they've been members of many a years, 20-something years, they were there 15-something years and was at a different worship service than they normally attend. And then all of a sudden they got the, oh, you must be new. And she's like, no, I've been on church council. <laughs> like, ah, yes, especially if you have multiple services. Yes. Yeah, that is really easy. So the I don't recognize you or, you know, oh, have you been here before? Like, the... Yeah, yeah. And especially, and also to ha- hand them a bulletin. I've, yes. I've walked into churches, you know, on vacation or 
going to to a relative's baptism. Yes. And it's sort of like, where's the bulletin? I no one is here handing yes. them out, and you kind of go searching for them because I because yes. I know that I know what to look for. Yes. But imagine walking in a space and you you don't even know that there yeah. is a bulletin and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I don't think you need to have the greeters there the entire service, but if they can stay back there at least to the end of announcements, because mm-hmm. you have the latecomer or you have the person who they're there and they're settled and then they're like, oh crap, I need a pee. And they, they can direct you to where the bathroom is. Right. Yeah. So, or, oh gosh, my, my child really filled their diaper and yes. <laughs> the changing table. Um, yes. and then also when the person gets to the pew, how do we make sure that they're welcome wherever they sit? Even if they're sitting in someone's spot. Okay, Lydia, you have a story to tell, so yes. just tell your story. So um, <laughs> You're beating around the bush too much. Yeah. Just tell the story. So one of um, the members of my church brought their daughter to worship, their adult daughter, who is, is she visits, she attends occasionally. And one Sunday, as, you know, I'm glad handing the people, they're coming out of, coming out of worship, shaking everyone's hand, good morning. Um, this woman tells me that someone told her, you're sitting in my spot. And I apologize. And I actually thanked her for telling me mm-hmm. that instead of kind of stewing about it. Because I think a lot of people would maybe stew about something like that and not come back. We all are creatures of habit. And, we, yes. and I even find in meetings or whatever, if it's a familiar space, I'll gravitate toward one spot or another. But is there a way that we could um, at least not feel territorial about a particular spot in the pew in the worship space? And how do we foster that in our people? Yeah. I mean, that's a difficult one without every week saying, like, this isn't your space. Yes. You know, or you aren't assigned a certain space. Yeah. Yeah. So if any of you have any ideas about that. Yeah. I mean, I think as much as you try to educate people, there's still the people that are going to be territorial. I've never had somebody tell me that. Uh, I know once in seminary when we were doing visits to different congregations, I'm pretty sure we sat in not just anyone's seat. We sat in like the matriarch of the congregation seat. Oh, no. And she then sat in front of us and kept looking at us the entire service, oh, like giving no. us the evil eye. That's almost worse than having her say, you're in my seat. Yeah. So. I'm just making you feel uncomfortable. Like, just get over it. Um, but but if, you, if you're lucky enough to have a space that can, where you have chairs instead of pews and can have, yep. you can, I think you can do it a little bit better where you can just kind of have, have fun with different arrangements of your worship space yes. and that kind of solves a lot of, some that of the issue issues. issues but if you're like like my church we've got pews they're not going anywhere the same what i've tried to do and i didn't execute this super well and i didn't plan it out super well but i want to try it again is during the children's sermon because kids kids are cute yeah i don't remember what text it was but somehow I had slips of paper that I gave the kids to give out to every mem- everybody sitting in the pew and each piece of paper had a direction. Some were stay in your spot. Some were move up a pew, move back a pew, move to the other side, like a mirror image. Yeah. Um, and then granted people who couldn't move, like if no one, if they had mobility issues, I gave them a card that said stay in your stay spot. In your spot. Um, and I would think I would try that again and then have people move around and like fruit basket upset and then spend the rest of the worship time 
in whatever spot they end up and then tie that into whatever I was talking about. So I didn't go like it didn't quite work out the first time I did it, but I think I would try it again. So yeah, that's something to try. I mean, and another thing that I just thought of is like there's both pros and cons about if you should have visitor parking ah, available yes. and then if so, how many spots. And I think that really depends on your parking situation. Like if we don't have park, well, we have a parking lot at my church, but it's behind the church. So nobody uses it. We use parking for the funeral home that's across the street. Um, so we can't put in a sign that says visitor parking. Ah. But churches that I've had that I've been to that have had visitor parking, it's great if you have one of these like really complicated, weird parking lots where it's good that visitors don't have to go through the entire melb of and also if you have multiple doors so you don't know which oh, right. door you're supposed to come in oh gosh the visitor yes. parking can be like oh if you park here this is the most natural door for you to go to uh-huh. for the sanctuary um like that's always a good thing to have mm-hmm. but if you're but i've been to other churches where it makes no sense because of it all funnels towards this door and it's a big square parking lot and it yeah. fun- does it function more as like a woo woo visitor yes. visitor <laughs> yes so sometimes that's bad too. So yeah, uh, and like I think as a visitor, I've never once parked in the visitor spot. So um, yeah, we're getting a little far afield from liturgy, but I think it's fine. But also it's having, about welcoming and visitors. Yeah, and, and also having good signage on your door. I remember I showed up for my first call. It was I was associate an associate pastor, so I visited the church to have lunch with the senior pastor, and I didn't know what door to go in. Yes. All right. So there's so, that. Since we are getting so far afield, I think we should do an entire episode just on welcoming visitors and how to do that. So, oh yeah, we future future episode, future episode at some point. Idea. Um, so let's move on to BYOB. Yeah. Uh, so we have one from uh, our good friend for both of us, uh, Tyler Rasmussen, who's in uh, pastor in we're, uh, Montgomery uh, County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> like Bucks. Upper Bucks. He's yeah. an Upper Bucks. He's in Pennsylvania. By Quaker Town-ish. Yeah. <laughs> We've been to his house many a times, but can't remember where he lives. Um, I don't even so. yeah, I don't remember the town. So he was saying that his pro- he hates um, corporate confession and forgiveness. In fact, he uses the word pisses him off. Because um, he feels, it says it feels like cheap grace. Because we, but at the same time, we don't have a lot of people that come to pastors, especially in the non-Catholic church for individual confession. And as much as he personally tries to teach about that, it's not happening. So what are some new, he was asking about new rituals that we can give for confession that gives depth to, so it's more than just words, but actually meaningful because he thinks that most people don't actually reflect during a time of silence that you give them. Which is probably true. Yeah, everyone just reads the words. No one feels, Yeah, you know. And especially if, I mean, the, the words in, at least in our hymnals, are really lovely. Yes. Um, captive and, like, there's some really good words in there. But if you say, I think the danger is if you say it every week, do you, are you absorbing it? Yeah, which is the same danger with, like, the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer, too. Basically, yes. All right, so this could be an entire episode in and of itself as well, so maybe mm-hmm. we'll do a confession a episode. future one, point. yeah, exactly. Um, but first thoughts was um, about making the gathering of corporate confession an actual confession, of actually having people take the time to reflect on their sins. And I think people reflect more when you have to write, you know, you give them a task. Write this, you know, write this down. Think of this, and you are more descriptive of it instead of like, 
you know, we confess the sins that we have done, you know, I don't even have my hymnal. It's fine. <laughs> we'll forgive you. Confess we'll the sins you. that we have uh, known and unknown. and then Omission, you commission, the fancy words. Yeah, but you give them then a moment of silence. Well, no, if we actually, like, describe what are some of the sins that you've done this week? How have you actually harmed another person, either by your what you have done or what you've left undone? And actually then give people time to write something down or be more descriptive in it. And I think for me, the most powerful confessions I've ever had as a participant has been when I've been at camp because they're almost always write the sin, write your sins down and then you, you know, burn it up or you rip it up or you whisper it into your hands and then you throw them up to God. And, but I always felt like those confessions have always been much more meaningful to me than any time I've ever done corporate confession and forgiveness in in worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a a church service worship. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, some of the most powerful confessions I remember is like the one that I brought up about Charlottesville. Yeah. um, Because it it felt more real and immediate and more naming of what needed to be named in a specific way. Yes. Which... I think requires more work on you as the worship leader and worship planner of, hey, we might throw an audible on Sunday morning of what we're going to do based on news that broke, you know, on Saturday. But it also means that you are uplifting things in the news, you know, in the news. And so whether that's you pay attention to the news all week and you write down what the major news stories are and you somehow incorporate the confession into that. Mm-hmm. Or just when big events happen, mm-hmm. you do it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we should do a, a larger podcast on this at some okay. point because because I read somewhere recently about how um, um, confessional type language and the impulse is there in the culture. It just comes out in things like post secret. Oh yeah, yeah or. Oh gosh, I was reading something about uh, what is the show? It's like Big Brother or like those shows, where you the reality shows. Where, yeah, yeah, where you like go into the red room. That's not the red room. <laughs> Whatever room is <laughs> not the red room. <laughs> the secret confessional room. That's Fifty Shades of Grey, and right. it's a love room. So yeah. no, sorry. Um, the, the special room where well. That's another episode about confession right there. All right. (laughs) Anyway, but like you confess, you confess, but you know that what you say is going to be broadcast and revealed. Yeah. So we'll have to put this in our back pocket and really dig into this as a topic. All right. So because we're having a long episode, but hey. All right. We're going to go to scripture shots. We go for it. Okay. So we're starting with October 7th and, um, to preface this a bit, October is, oh, I don't remember the exact title, but it's like domestic abuse awareness month. And the first Sunday in October, which is the seventh, um, the text, the gospel text from Mark is basically like women suck. Oh no. All the text. All the text. Oh yeah. Basically all the texts. All the texts. Where they talk about women suck. Yeah. Where women suck. And so it's, it's kind of one of the biggies, the teaching on divorce. Jesus talks about divorce, and then Jesus talks about welcoming children. So if you're going to read the gospel, you really, I think you really need to address this and how hurtful this has been, mm-hmm. especially from voices within the church. Um, have an open conversation, or at least talk about 
marriage at Jesus' time versus marriage now, and especially what divorce meant then and what divorce meant now and how they are not the same. This Far is, from it. This is not the same things happen. And, and if you have the spoons, um, if, you, if you have, like, if you know someone... The spoons? Well, it's like emotional, the emotional... You never heard of this? No. <laughs> oh, this is an education moment. So it's like emo- having the emotional capacity... Oh, okay. Um, I, to carry to carry to carry and if you have no spoons left it means basically okay. anyway so I was going to say if you have the balls but you know you have the balls but um, if you have been personally touched by the subject and have the spoons like I think you should speak out about it yes or at least to talk about how to address the elephant in the room about how yeah. the church has fallen down on this subject. And if you are not willing to talk about divorce in your sermon, do not read the section of divorce of the gospel. Yeah, you should Cut just leave it, it so off. it's just the welcoming the children. Yeah. Or don't please. read the gospel. Like, just day. don't read it. Because don't it's not read gonna... it and leave it hanging. No, yeah, please, please, please don't do that. We are giving you permission to cut it out. Yeah. Um, another thing you could do is have some sort of special healing service for those who have been touched by divorce. I think most of us, if we haven't, experience it personally have parents siblings you know children who've been affected by this um and it's painful and mm-hmm. people need healing um because of jesus talking about the children have a special children's worship and have kids lead everything becca's church would be fine but then don't people. do the part about the worship but yeah don't, don't do yeah don't do that so like pick one like yes. pick one or the other the Genesis, the thematic reading is from Genesis, which is creation story number two. And a fun thing you could do is kind of compare and contrast the different, the fact that there are two and how these two creation stories are different. And this is the one, I believe, where woman was created yes. later. Um, kind of going with the theme. Um, if you're really careful, you, you could make a woman out of Play-Doh, but... Uh, it, that could or be fun. Or a human form, a human out, of form out of Play-Doh. Um, or decorate this, the sanctuary with the different animals. Yes. That could be kind of a fun thing. The um, the other one, there's semi-continuous. semi-continuous. I was like, what is SC? I had to think about it for a second. A semi-continuous is Job, which is also a really, really interesting text. In fact, you could just do... Job comes up later. Um, uh, yeah, it's the next few weeks. It's the next few weeks. So you could just uh, read, just really start to dig into Job, um, read a children's story. Um, There's the children's story of the wind and the sun. Do you know this? No, story? I don't. So I don't know. Yeah, what it's I was called, like, I don't know what this and is. And I spelled sun the wrong way. It's the wind and the sun, like sun in, oh. the, in the in the sky, sun. And they're both trying to get a man to take his coat off. And they take a bet with each other about who can get this man to take his coat off. And the wind blows and blows and blows and he doesn't take his coat off. But then the sun shines and the sun shines so much the man takes his coat off. And it kind of goes into the beginning of Job about the devil and the uh, and God the talking bet. about the bet about Job. Yeah, so, cool. So look in, so It's a good children's story if I only knew the name of it. But the wind and the sun Google is what I remember of it. Google that shit. All right, so the following week um, is October 14th. It's uh, the Old Testament, or the Gospel of reading that day is Mark 10, camel through the eye of a needle. You can fit a camel through a needle and have some props of like a stuffed camel with a giant needle. And even if it's a much smaller camel than a normal candle, a camel and a much larger needle than a normal needle, it still won't fit through. Um, something else you can do is the, there's a line that, that with God... Um, uh, with man, nothing is possible. With God, all things are possible. Or, you know, one of the something like that is the line. 
and you can talk about how impossible and I'm possible. The only difference is an apostrophe and how God is that apostrophe that makes the impossible possible. So uh, the thematic Old Testament is Amos 5. Um, it's about hate evil, love good, you will do things and not reap the rewards due to how evil you are. So have a time where you do something without getting rewards for other, uh, do something for someone else without getting the rewards. So bake cookies where you aren't allowed to eat any of the cookies <laughs> or make something for someone else in some way, um, cards or whatever. Um, and then the old test, uh, the semi-continuous is Job 23. Three, which is Job searching for God, uh, God for the answer, and it's your uh, lay your case before God. Let people complain, and and have time to honor righteous anger. And I think, to me, so much of politically what's happening, and I agree with this on actually people who disagree politically from me, is there's a lot of righteous anger that's happening, and honor that. And it's okay to be angry, and it's okay to be angry at God. Um, you know, when you have a cancer diagnosis, it's okay to be angry. When someone died, it's okay to be angry at God and just honor that and lift it up. Mm -hmm. So October 21st is from Mark, the gospel is from Mark 10, which is this, which is the James and John wanting to sit at Jesus's right and left hands, drinking from the same cup and the same baptism as Jesus. Um, and kind of wanting to be a part of all that. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. So you could kind of have fun with this image and try to have two people drink from the same cup at the same time, and it's probably pretty hard to do. That would be my guess, too. Yeah. So, and then the thematic reading is from Isaiah 53, which is the section of the suffering servant. Uh, it talks about, like, a lamb before the slaughter or a sheep before about to be shorn. You could, if you have in your congregation farmers or butchers or even dog groomers for um what if they're about to be shaved the dog is about to get a haircut yeah. what is it like what is what does the animal do before whatever it is, is are they happen? actually silent are I they doubt. actually silent um probably not or depending on the animal you could pick out qualities of the servant um one at a time and ask people um if ask people if they're like this and would they respect someone with this particular quality uh, the semi-continuous is from uh, also from Job, more from Job, Job, Job 38, which is when God responds back to Job. Um, so kind of a, a warning here. There's a lot of masculine, kind of sexist, transphobic, toxic masculinity language where God says, gird up your loins like a man. That's um, in the NRSV. That's in the NRSV. The CV, um, the, CV? the CV says, prepare yourself like a man. Prepare yourself like a man. Either way, it still but says, still says like, like a man. man. Yeah. Um, but I think both of them still refer to the kind of the girding up, which is kind of the traditional folding of your, if, well, men wore your basically cloak. dresses. In those your days. tunic. Like, you like folded up your tunic in a special way for battle. So you could demonstrate how that worked um, would be kind of fun to kind of explain what that phrase actually means um and you could if you wear an all to worship you can do this with your i was all. thinking that too <laughs> i was like yeah if you robe for worship you could do it with your all just it might be easier if you were pants if you're a woman to wear pants that day yes <laughs> maybe um the the god's creation is compared to the building of a house so build a house use some legos lincoln logs whatever um and then together decide the kind of the specs of the house what's the size who puts down the cornerstone with the design of the houses 
Uh, October 28th, you have an option. It's uh, Reformation Day or Electionary 30 for Reformation Day. Listen to last year's episode. We have an entire episode in which we talk about Reformation Day Wait, and what All Saints Day. How many years of the Reformation was oh, that? What are we at? <laughs> for the 501st anniversary. Yeah, this year it is. Um, some thoughts that are new. John 8 is uh, the truth will make you free. Give people tickets to freedom and after they confess their faith. Like, as, you know, something about, you know, give them a ticket. Uh, also with that is that I will write your name on a heart, um, <laughs> hand out hearts with God's a name written on it. That's actually from the, um, it's a repeat. Yeah. That's actually from the, the old Testament reading, which I forgot to write down correctly. I accidentally wrote John eight twice. Um, Romans three is the new Testament reading about justified by faith through grace. Use examples of justified texts, so Ooh. lines that are t- stretched or smushy slightly just so they are all equal and look neat on the page. Huh. And you can talk about how you are stretched or smushed so that you are equal to others and how God will set you Ooh. free, but how <laughs> God also sets you free so you can be your own person and be unjustified in some ways. So just a different play in the words of justified. Oh, that's fun. Um, if you're going with the lectionary 30, it's uh, Mark 10 is the gospel of the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Um, loudly try to silence people when they're trying to speak, especially like, like this. Yeah. Stop talking. Yeah. Uh, do that to like the readers or the prayer leaders at the beginning of service. Um, use modern examples of people who did God's work or sought God even when others tried to silence them, which there's a lot of modern saints that you could use that with. Um, you know, Malcolm, um, Martin Luther King Jr. is just one of the most recent ones, but or not most recent in any way, but... Uh, Find some. Yeah, and then you can also link this to some of the, uh, the more recent hashtags of never, nevertheless she persisted or me too or black lives matter. And I put in well-behaved women seldom make history. Yes. So, but a lot of those are people who are movements that have happened when somebody has tried to silence them and yet they continue to, um, be quite, uh, speak loudly in the midst of all of that. And as a result, movements have started. So Jeremiah 31 is the thematic Old Testament. God gathers remaining Israelites. It's a good healing service. Also tie into the Mark reading. Um, Blind and the lame are among the many people who come. So celebrate a day with those who are differently able or lift up ways your congregation limits their participation. So especially like if you have a, such as my congregation building, you have a building that's not handicap accessible ah. and lift that up and mention it and put it out there. And how can we actually be more accessible to people who have hearing issues or sight issues or mobility, you know, mobility issues? So um, Job 42 is the semi-continuous reading and it's Job's time to respond to God. And this is a, would be a good time for repentance if you wanted to have a, a moment of repentance and worship. Um, and plenty that you will get plenty out of suffering. So maybe ask some people who have gone through much suffering that those who are a few years out from a major illness or a, a tragic death of a loved one or addiction or their house was in a fire or a flood or whatever the case was, and they're a few years out and have had some healing behind that. And ask yeah. how they not just survive that, but what blessings they've received along the way. Mm-hmm. And it would be a good, like, interview sermon of those people might mm-hmm. be a good way to go with that. Mm-hmm. All right, dumb shots. All right. Let's chase those shots. Let's chase those shots, yes. So the our chaser for today is a book and a website. So the book is Common Prayer, A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals, and I believe it was um, partially compiled by Shane Claiborne. If you're familiar with him, he's the guy who's, like, doing alternate church things 
uh, I believe, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. So um, he's published a couple of books kind of about his experiences. I can't remember what any of them are right now. Um, There he is. And uh, some other cool people edit it too. So it's this big, there's two books actually. There's a big thick book and there's like a pocket edition, which I had and I lost and I'm really (gasps) sad about that. But the big thick edition is sort of based, loosely based on the Episcopal Episcopal Book of Common Prayer. So in this book, you're going to find about, you're going to have seven different um, evening prayers and then you're going to have a morning prayer litany for each day of the year, but they're not dated like by week. It's sort of dated by date. So it's something that you could use uh, year after year. And there's great sidebar, little like side articles about different parts of worship, about Advent, about monastic communities, about doing justice in your community. And um, the introduction is great about just how liturgy is the work of the people. And it's something that is uh, relevant to our lives. So that's the book. There's also a website, commonprayer.net, and that also has some really cool uh, liturgy materials. So if you're looking for something to do, morning prayer, evening prayer, midday prayer, um, some fresh ways to do confessions or opening liturgies, I highly recommend it. I've used it. It's really cool. So this is new to me, but I'm just looking through the contents just so you have some idea. Um, and the occasional prayers, not only does it have some normal prayers such normal. as... Normal. <laughs> normal occasional prayers such as house blessing or prayers for the workplace but and prayers before or after a meal, but it has prayers for the death of someone killed in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, prayers uh, after, for a major life transition. Um uh, the blessing of a land or garden, a litany to honor women. That might be something you want to do for that first Sunday of October when it's a women's suck as in all the worship service. Uh, right. all the... I'm probably going to do that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some really great stuff. And then there's also one for a celibacy commitment. I don't think I'm ever going to yeah, end up reading that prayer. There's but... a few that, and they're like, yeah, probably not going to use that one, but yeah, interesting. It's a great resource. So check something it out. Something I'm going to have to look into. Yeah. It's cool. So, uh, and in the meantime, uh, and while I look this out, uh, we are going to leave you now. Uh, but in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Lit Liturgy. You can also email us at litliturgy at gmail.com. It's L-I-T-L-I-T-U-R-G-Y. I love spelling our name. Yes. Well, it's fun. I, we all need help with yes. spelling. So I think our next... What's brewing um, will be, we're continuing our series on the Ordo, or the yes. Order of Service, on, we're going to do a talk about the Word. So this would be scripture, sermon, kind of responsive hymn. Yes. Correct? Yes. yes. That's, that's my plan. Right. We'll see what okay. happens between now and then. So please, um, BYO, BYOB, excuse me. Send B-Y- us your B-I-O-Bs yes. of yes. if you have some ideas of things that you've done that have creative about the word portion of worship. Yes, please. And as always, thank you so much to Brian O'Dean for our beautiful, lovely theme music. And in the meantime, this is Becca. And this is Lydia. And we're reminding you to always drink and plan worship responsibly.